Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest episode of the 11 Personnel Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Rams beat writer Rich Hammond, and we are here on Monday morning, having completed the 2020 NFL Draft. It was quite a thing to behold, um, and I say that sincerely. Um, a lot of respect for the for the folks at ESPN and at the in the league. Uh, also, NFL Network folks who were able to pull that thing off. It, it really was a marvel uh, to, to think that they were able to take that many moving parts in, in that short a period of time and, and not only just be able to get something on the air, but but something that uh, was, was worth watching and had a lot of great analysis and very, very few uh, technical issues that, that I could notice. I mean, almost none. Uh, to, to think that they were able to uh, pull off something that significant without a whole lot of lead time. Um, a lot of respect for those people. And uh, some of them have been on the podcast. Uh, so uh, congratulations to those folks who uh, were able to do that. An enjoyable weekend to sit and kind of veg out and, and watch the draft. It was a notable one for the Rams. And we'll go through some of the uh, we'll go through all of the picks. The Rams ended up making nine picks because of a, a trade back, and they picked up a couple of uh, seventh-round picks. So you always expect a trade from the Rams. Uh, so let's go through quickly, just in case this is your, your first exposure to the Rams draft class. I don't want to presume anything, so we'll go through the picks real quick. Second-round picks, uh, running back Cam Akers from Florida State, receiver Van Jefferson from Florida, Third round picks, edge rusher Terrell Lewis from Alabama, safety Terrell Burgess from Utah. Fourth round pick, tight end Bryson Hopkins from Purdue. Sixth round pick, safety Jordan Fuller from Ohio State. And then three, count them three, seventh round picks, linebacker Clay Johnston from Baylor, kicker Sam Sloman from Miami of Ohio, and to wrap it up, guard Tremaine Ankrum from Georgia. Son, by the way, of Tremaine Ankrum, the former USC basketball player who was actually there. Uh, he played there when, when I was a student at USC. So that made me feel great. Didn't make me feel old at all to know that uh, one of my classmates now has uh, a player being drafted in the NFL. So there's a lot of ways we can do this. want to talk about some of the uh, some of the draft picks, some of the things that are on the minds of Rams fans. So I couldn't think of a better way to do that than to just ask. So threw it open on Twitter on Sunday morning to just say, hey, what do you want to know? Let's do a quick mailbag. Let's talk about some of the issues that are on your mind, some of the draft picks, even a couple things that don't even have to do with the draft. So I have uh, asked, uh, gracious, uh, actually graciously volunteered uh, our producer, <laughs> Danielle, to, to come on the air. For those who uh, don't know Danielle, she, she had an alter ego at one point. She, she was Chip on the uh, Kevin and Bean radio program, the legendary Kevin and Bean radio program. So much more of a radio personality than I will ever be, that's for sure. So uh, welcome, Danielle. And uh, first of all, Miami Dolphins fan, are you happy with Tua? <laughs> I knew you were going to go uh, there. Of course I am. I I, I've been telling you, yeah. you got to stay with the Dolphins. And, and you got rewarded with Tua. What do you think? Are you, are you, are you ordering your replica Super Bowl ring? <laughs> well, I'll say first, like, uh, as a... Uh, Here's my here's my 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 take on the Dolphins too. Like the Dolphins for me, because I was a Dolphin fan for 25 years, and right now I will say was. Ooh. Uh, because I right now I it's too easy to go back to the Dolphins right now where times are good because they're, they're kind of like an ex boyfriend for me. Right. Where 
you had all this time with them, and there were some good times, most, and then you leave because right. there's bad times. But right now you're like, oh, it's not, oh, well, right. hey, like, that's... But they've good. changed. See, but that's the thing. I've, like, like an like an ex. That, I've heard that before. You're not going to get fooled again. Don't break, that's don't, what you're saying. I'm not going to get fooled. I'm going to cautiously stay stand by okay. and see what happens. But I won't. Yeah, I won't. I won't jump into that right, right now, Rich. You're I won't jump in. in. You're not moving in again. I'm you're, not, you're, I'm not <laughs> moving back in right now. I, I, I respect. <laughs> but I do it. think it's a great I, move. I respect <laughs> yeah. your your position there. So what, what did what did make me laugh was watching the draft and every time. The dolphins pick when the dolphins right. pick was up the the graphic or the words in the chiron was last time the dolphins had a pro bowl quarterback was 95 with marino and wow. i'm like oh it's been so yeah. bad that's, that's so, not something yeah. you, that's not something you really want to be proud of necessarily <laughs> but the future could but, be bright the future could go. be bright there the you dolphins. go well yeah <laughs> uh, i think rams fans are uh they're they're uh, uh, some of them are anxious uh, some of them i think were, were happy with the draft some of them had some significant questions and and many of them i think are legitimate questions so let's let's dive right in we're not going to ignore anything or, or sweep under, anything under the rug so uh throw start throwing some questions at me will do all right this first one comes from sam Culper. How do you see the inside linebacker position shaping up for the coming season with only a seventh round draft selection? Yeah, I think specifically probably talking about inside linebacker here. And uh, yeah, the only thing the Rams added there was Clay Johnston, the seventh round pick out of Baylor. And uh, like Clay, the enthusiasm, let me tell you, is not like anything I had ever seen before. And I'm not talking about the draft. I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about in a human being. I've never heard anyone more excited than than Clay Johnston was after he was drafted by the Rams. So if you haven't seen any of those clips on on social media or on the Rams website, you should go check those out because I really thought he was going to like put his head through a wall or something. He was he was that excited. <laughs> but uh, that said, you're you're not counting on a seventh round rookie to to step into your depth chart. Uh, so what do the Rams have there? They didn't add anybody else through the draft. I was a little surprised by that. I, I thought if the opportunity was there or if their draft board lined up the right way, that they might look to another inside backer there. But uh, I, again, I, you know, when we talked about it with Joe Curley last week on the podcast, you said we were going to find out a lot about what the Rams thought about their current personnel. And I think what we can fairly take away here is that they feel okay about these linebackers. And, and the guys who we're talking about uh, probably are, as Micah Kaiser, uh, Traven Howard, a Kenny Young, a Troy Reader, maybe a Nitrez Patrick, depending on whether he's seen as an outside guy or an inside guy. So there's some options there. The problem is basically none of them have any experience. I mean, very little, uh, you know, practical NFL regular season experience. So there's a pool there, but it's very untested. So I guess the way you could look at it is bringing in a rookie was only going to bring in another untested guy. Uh, you weren't going to be able to bring in a five-year NFL veteran in the draft. Uh, so I, I think from the Rams' perspective, they're probably more inclined to trust what they had. Uh, I say Traven Howard is, is a guy you're going to look at real closely whenever they are able to get back on the field. He's a guy who in some spot duty, particularly at the end of last season, surprised me, I'll be honest, with, with some of the plays that he was able to make and some of the things 
that he was able to show on the field. So if I had to bet going in, sitting here in, in the last week of April, and, and I'm glad that I that I don't have to do that, uh, but but if I had to bet on those spots, I might look at, at Micah Kaiser in one of those spots and Traven Howard in that other spot with the potential uh, for somebody else in, in training camp or whatever it might be uh, to provide competition and maybe a little bit of a surprise. All right. So uh, JRR Rams fan 88 has kind of like a three part question okay. for you. Uh, your favorite Ram selection, the most questionable Ram selection and their biggest steal in your Ooh, eyes. Ooh, Good ones. Yeah, we did this for a little bit. If people want to go on the uh, the athletic app or, or website uh, that they pulled together, it's, it's really an extraordinary use of our our resources because our NFL editors had every uh, beat writer, all 32 of us, uh, submit their answers to a lot of these questions. So if people are curious kind of across the league, uh, it's a great resource. You can just go on one store and see what every beat writer uh, kind of had the, the, their takeaways on on those uh, subjects. Uh, favorite Ram selection, that, that's a little bit open-ended uh, in terms of you know what fits. Uh, I like Terrell Lewis, the third round edge rusher. Uh, he's a guy, he was in, he's available in the third round because he's had some injury issues and he missed basically a full season and then uh, had some issues in, uh, I believe his junior season or sophomore season, redshirt sophomore season, I think it was. Uh, that that kept him off the field. So talent wise, it's a slam dunk. He's a he's a guy who could step right in and and fill that role. Maybe that Dante Fowler role. You could easily see a guy like that lining up right next to Aaron Donald on the outside of Aaron, and uh, this the two of them causing some pure havoc on that side of the field. Uh, the question will be: Can he stay on the field? Is he able to stay healthy? And uh, the Rams roll the dice a little bit there. But in terms of the risk-reward, I, I really, really like the pick. It's, it's where I thought that they might uh, look for an edge rusher. I think the, the pool there was pretty good in terms of the prospects. And uh, I think they found a really good one. And then it's just kind of cross your fingers that, uh, that he can stay healthy. Questionable is the tight end, uh, Bryson Hopkins. And I think a lot of people called that out right away. Uh, you know, why, why are you drafting a tight end uh, where, where they did in, in the fourth round uh, when, you, when you already have so much, you know, so much on the, on the table there? Um, I, it's, it's a good question. They, they dropped back 10 spots and, and, and picked him. Uh, they have Tyler Higby, who emerged obviously particularly late in the season as, uh, as a threat, a great receiving threat. They have Gerald Everett, a former second-round pick, who has been much more inconsistent. You've seen flashes of it here and there, but you've not seen him kind of grab that brass ring and and really uh, step in and and you know prove that he can stay on the field. And then you've got Johnny Munch, who who fills a, a pretty pretty important role actually as kind of that blocking tight end. And and we've even talked about in the last couple episodes his ability to maybe even kind of play that H-back role or you know do a little bit more with him in the backfield, stuff like that. So I definitely see a future for Johnny Munt. So are they going to carry four tight ends? I, I don't know. I, I guess that's possible. But to, to see Bryson Hopkins' name uh, come up there, the Rams obviously felt real strong about him. And I think that's the thing with a lot of these is if, if you're looking at your draft board and, and there's a guy who's just kind of flashing neon at you saying, uh, you know, draft me, 
based on the, the work that you did, the, all the all the prep, the months of prep that you did, uh, you don't pass up a guy, even if it's a position that, that necessarily doesn't look like a need. Uh, you, you don't pass him up because you, you put him there for a reason on your draft board. I do think it's a little bit of, at the very least, a little bit of a shot across the bow at, at Gerald Everett. Uh, to see you know whether or not he's ultimately going to be Gerald's replacement, either in the short term or the long term. Uh, I'm fascinated to see how that shapes up. So uh, that that'll be something to watch uh, very closely. But uh, to take him when they did, I, I yeah, if you would have asked me to bet bet a hundred dollars, I I wouldn't have bet on the Rams drafting a, a tight end. Uh, that's for sure. So uh, last part of the question: biggest steal? Hard to say. You know, really, really hard to say. Uh, but like the third round pick there of Terrell Burgess, because uh, I think it could be a valuable one. Uh, we talked in the last episode, Rams had very little safety depth behind John Johnson and Taylor Rapp. So what they do here is not only get a safety, uh, Terrell Burgess out of Utah, but they get a guy who can play slot corner too. And he very well might step into that spot uh, vacated by Nikel Roby Coleman. We've heard that uh, David Long, 2019 draft pick, the Rams might be looking at him to to step into that role. But Burgess, at the very least, can provide some competition and and maybe even win that spot outright. So uh, really like that pick from from the standpoint of I think he's somebody who could come in and, and play a really valuable role both right away and uh, years into the future. Ramzilla is asking uh, about Van Jefferson's foot injury. Do you think that's something that could be chronic, like Sammy Watkins? Yeah, good question. Uh, it's uh, I, I asked him about it because Van John, uh, Johnson, Van Jefferson, did not participate in in a lot of the pre-draft stuff, and and again, maybe a reason why he falls a little bit uh, in the pre-draft process because teams couldn't. Uh, get their own medical guys be, because of the the pandemic situation. Normally, with a guy like that, you'd be able to fly him out and say, "Hey, let's have a visit. Let's have our doctors look at your records. Have your, our doctors look at your foot. Uh, that sort of thing." None of that was was able to happen. So basically, what they were trusting was the stuff that was done at the combine, which is pretty extensive, but it's it's not it's not what you would normally do. And then just, uh, you know, trusting what they hear from from different people. So uh, that's the backstory. To answer the question, it doesn't sound like it's anything uh, significant. In fact, when I asked Van about it on our on our conference call after he got picked, it sounded to me as though it wasn't even something he was aware of. Uh, it, it sounded like he was preparing to do everything he was going to do. He went through that medical process that I just mentioned at, at the combine where they just they put you through the ringer. And then something got flagged, and, and they actually came to him and said, "Hey, uh, you know, there's something here that we gotta that we've got to address." And and then he went and had uh, surgery. So it didn't sound like it was something like, "Oh, he was you know playing with pain, or it's something that's been a recurring uh, problem." But uh, I, I certainly understand the question there. Uh, and yeah, Sammy Watkins dealt with that for a little while. It would just you know kind of flare up here and there. It would it would recur and. Uh, clearly, when you're talking about a wide receiver and, and foot problems, that's not something that, that you want to, to be a trend or to have uh, something that you have to worry about uh, in the long term. But a good question. And it was something that I addressed with Van and uh, does not seem like it's a long term concern. So this next one's from Frank Fredale. After not retaining Jojo Natson, the Rams don't have a kick or punt returner. Is that person on the current roster? Uh, potentially. Uh, you have Simba Webster there who uh, did do a little bit of that, and that, that's certainly in his um, skill set. 
So wouldn't be surprised if, if that's him again. The other ones, I was, I was looking into this a little bit last night because I was curious uh, about the same thing. Uh, the, the Rams uh, signed a guy who never was really on their uh, roster, but uh, a receiver named Greg Dortch, and he's another in that, in that same mold, very small, uh, you know, really agile receiver who, who has that in his background, in his college background. So I don't know how that's going to shape up, whether he's even in the mix. I presume he would be. I don't know whether that's a straight competition between him and Webster or whether other guys in the mix. Sometimes these, even these defensive backs who you uh, sign as undrafted free agents, they have some history of, of punt return and that sort of thing. So the Rams just signed 20 of these guys last night. It was like, wow, uh, 20, 20 undrafted free agents. They usually only sign about 10 to 12. Uh, so that's a huge class. So it's going to take me a little bit of time to go through all these guys and figure out exactly what their uh, skill sets are. The only other thing I would add to that is uh, kickoff return, just not a big part of the game anymore since they changed those rules. Uh, not saying you, you can't or you, that you shouldn't have somebody back there with that capability, uh, but it's not the same part of the game that it was even just uh, three years ago where a guy like Farrell Cooper, you know, kind of made his role and or made a name for himself in that role. You know, mostly it's it's watching the ball sail over your head or it's it's catching it and taking a knee, flipping it to the ref. So punt return is the uh, one that I would watch there. Plan on doing a little bit of a deeper dive into some of these guys' backgrounds and seeing uh, who might fit it. But for now, I would look at either Simba Webster or potentially Greg Dorch. Eric Dreyer has some uh, linebacker feelings. Oh. He says, why don't the Rams value linebackers? They had Troy Dye sitting there, and they just traded back for a tight end. Right. Okay, so there's a, there's a little bit of a presumption with the question there that, that I understand, and that's, again, I don't, I don't devalue anybody's opinion. Uh, I, I don't think the Rams don't value linebackers. Uh, they, I think they've put quite a bit of uh, capital. And like we just talked about, there's there's quite a few options there. Uh, why didn't they draft one? I think that's a fair question. Uh, so, I, and I, I think I addressed it myself in that, in that first question. So, but the thing, the part of this that I, that I wanted to speak to, because it, it's, it's not just Eric's question here. It, it kind of comes up uh, across the board is, um, I don't want this to sound critical, but I, I think it's it's easy. And I, I put myself in this category too, by the way. I'm not just I'm not just talking about Rams fans or any other fans. It's it's easy to you know sit and watch TV because what do they show on the screen all the time? They show Mel Kuyper's best players available, or so and so's draft board, or you know this sort of thing. Best player left on the board. But that's one person's opinion, okay? And, you know, as much as Mel Kuyper is a, a fantastic analyst, has been doing this, what, 25 years, something like that, uh, we have our own analysts at The Athletic who do a phenomenal job of sorting through all of these prospects. The work that they do, all of these people, our, our guy, Dane Brugler, there's so many others. And, and again, that's no shade on Mel Kuyper. What, the, what these people do is extraordinary, to the, the depths of information that they mine and, and the uh, reports that they put together. However, that's just their opinion. The, the Rams or the Chargers or the Dolphins or anybody else are not sitting there going, all right, let's see who's next on Mel Kuyper's board. Because what they've done is they've been for the last eight months or so, you know, going back to the start of, of fall camps in, in college, they do their own work. They do their own draft boards and, and they might glance and see, you know, okay, how's this guy regarded and, and that sort of thing. But 
so for instance, when, when the question comes up about Troy Die sitting there, quote unquote, yes, a lot of fans look at the, the big boards and the mock drafts and the rankings and say, well, you know, hey, Troy Dye is a, is, a, is a third round linebacker and he's still sitting there in the fourth round. Well, maybe not in the Rams' eyes, okay? I, I, so I won't go into specifics here, but there was a player who I thought the Rams might target, certainly at a position I thought they might target. And, uh, you know, he went off the board and, and I was kind of like, oh, you know, there goes that. And, and then I got a text that said, we weren't interested in that guy. <laughs> so yeah. A, that made me feel stupid because I'm like, oh, okay, I've been talking about this guy and the Rams didn't even, you know, they, they weren't even going to draft him for free. If they, They're like, yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I felt kind of dumb about that, but it reinforces the point of they have their own uh, board that they go off of. So, y- you know, people might look at Troy Dye, for instance, and say, oh, you know, Troy Dye, that would be a steal in the, in the third round. But the Rams might have him listed as a sixth round linebacker. Um, so, so that's why you just have to trust your, your board, as cliche as that sounds. Uh, you know, there were guys pretty early on. I mean, I had when I was going through the draft, I had my own spreadsheet up. Uh, because I had Dane Brugler's ratings, I had a couple others just to kind of track, you know, like where these guys were going or who might be available. And it doesn't take very long before guys are getting picked like 50 spots away from from where they were mocked or where they were big boarded. Uh, and that's just what happens. You know, they again, these teams are, are very different in, in what they want. And, and again, they're not sitting there just looking at Mel Kuyper's big board saying, OK, we should draft this guy next because... Uh, he's still there. So anyway, that that's my mini rant uh, about that. And yeah, I think I covered the linebackers a little bit earlier. But uh, yeah, I mean, you you have to be able to think you're you're getting somebody who's better than than what you have. I do think they're taking a little bit of a risk there, uh, just with that pool of of un, uh, untested linebackers. But I don't think that was significantly going to change uh, through this draft. So I think kind of what they have is what they have and, and we'll see how it sorts itself out. All right. This one comes from the Mike bar three. Uh, what are your thoughts on grading drafts? Uh, yeah. Hey Mike. Uh, good. Uh, thanks for the question. Uh, great supporter. Always appreciate your, your comments there. Uh, yeah, it's a, a lot of reporters do them and, and I understand and it, it's good. It's a good way to kind of analyze, uh, and, uh, and, you know, give, give kind of feedback to, to readers on those picks. I don't like grading the, the picks themselves because you, you kind of have to understand the context. I, I think if I, if I did any kind and I didn't actually do grades this time, I, I have done them in the past when I worked for uh, newspapers and, and stuff, but, uh, I didn't, I didn't do them, um, yesterday or over the weekend, uh, kind of for that reason, it, it's it's you, you don't really get a complete picture of, of why the pick was being made. I look at it more again in terms of uh, are you are you filling the needs? You know, are, are are you making picks that make sense? Like, I mean, not to, <laughs> I mean, I, there's no way to avoid this, but like the Raiders, like some of you know they end up drafting like three receivers, I think, in the first was it four rounds. Uh, and it's like, okay, woo, you're okay. You're really loading up a receiver there, but are you, are you addressing some of the other needs that you have? Um, so I, I think it's a little bit of folly to just go pick by pick and say, oh, they could have drafted this person instead of this person, because that's not really going to sort itself out for, for a while. Um, in terms of the Rams, they had pretty good diversity. They, they ended up making nine picks. Uh, basically eight different positions. So that's a pretty good spread in terms of building that depth. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of the stuff just sorts itself out. We'll, we'll find out 
whether Terrell Lewis. That could end up being an A-plus pick if he stays healthy, or it could end up being a C-minus pick if he can never play more than five games a a year. So uh, that's kind of how I feel about that. Uh, JB underscore Peoples asks, personally, how did you enjoy the draft this year? Uh, A lot, actually. Uh, Yeah, it was, like I said, I might have spoiled my answer there, but, but just to see... Uh, what they were able to do. I really didn't know how it was it was going to work or whether, you know, it was going to be kind of a nightmare logistically and, you know, whether they were going to have to pause it at any point because somebody couldn't get their pick in. Uh, it, it felt really, really seamless in terms of just that the flow of information. Um, personally, I, I'll just be honest, like if I had one criticism, it felt a little dragged out. Uh, you know, I, I know they were trying to kind of build the drama a little bit. People have already been talking about, you know, some of the graphics they were putting on the screen where it was like, geez, do we need to get do we need to get so dark with some of these, you know, prospects like seemed like everybody had some type of, you know, awful, awful trauma in their life at some point. And it's like and some uh, of Trey Wingo's uh, asides were kind of like. Yeah, um, like there was, was. I can't remember which prospect it was, but it, when he, mm-hmm. he was from Northern California, yes. and Trevango's the thing about him was like, so that region is known for two things: surfing and weed. And this yes. player says he does neither of them, and you're like, why? Why did you say that? Yeah, the kid from Santa Cruz. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I think it was a Cal. Uh, yeah, I was like, that was weird. Um, yeah, that so was, that was a choice. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I, I would say in a nutshell, I was a really, really big fan of the way that they were able again to bounce around with the analysis. I mean, it was really sharp. You know, whether mm-hmm. it was they were talking about a guy who'd just been picked or maybe uh, somebody who was falling or what it was, they, they were able to bounce around and, and they were juggling. I mean, they had like eight different analysts there who they were juggling back and forth and uh, really impressed by that, how quickly they were able to uh, provide that analysis. Not as big a fan as, as the other stuff. Like I, I really, I understand they're making a TV show here and it has to be yeah. uh, compelling in, in some ways. Not so much a fan of that stuff. And uh, some and of it Goodell's seems- And Goodell's not a great actor. <laughs> His uh, his ability to try to be relatable was was admirable, but also a little bit forced. Uh, Come on, yeah. Jets fans, you can boo better. Yeah. Come on, guys, you can do better. It's like, okay. I yeah. still like, have my M&Ms. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, right? I'm not, you sure. know, nothing yeah. on Roger, but it, yeah, it's a, it, you, everybody has to be cast for the right role and and I'm not sure he was uh, he was quite properly uh, cast in that role. But uh, but I tell you what, it 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 clearly exceeded my expectations mm-hmm. for it. There, there's already been a little bit of talk about this, but I, I think in future years, assuming that we can get back, you know, to to where we we normally are, uh, I think they'll start incorporating some of this stuff. I think some of it was that compelling. Whether it was the you know the live looks in at the at yeah. the living rooms or or the coaches and the GMs and that sort of thing and having their families there that was that was really cool to see them uh, interacting with with their families and stuff. I, I fully expect that uh, even if we go back to normal in 2021 that uh, that you'll see some of that stuff incorporated because some of it was a lot of fun. How can you beat Bill Belichick <laughs> cutting to Bill Belichick and his, his dog, dog is sitting at his laptop? <laughs> Bill Belichick is undefeated. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just the greatest moment. I I have no idea how they planned that, but... Uh, but literally just a laugh out loud moment. So, so very uh, in, overall, uh, just well played by, by ESPN. Uh, okay, so Smith with two Fs 
Uh, are you surprised there was no addition of an H-back or a fullback? Right. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about this and, and until I, I saw the question. So good question. Thanks thanks for reminding me on that. Uh, the reason it came up, I, I, I think maybe it was a little bit in the end, maybe it was a little bit of a diversion. But I, I think it was when we had Steve Weish on uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, it, it came up in the context of Sean McVay was asked at the Combine when we did our media scrum. Uh, kind of what he thought about the 49ers' use of Kyle Juszczyk as a fullback and whether or not, you know, that was something he would consider. And Sean went, yeah, yeah, for sure, you know, and, and went on as, as Sean does for the next five minutes about <laughs> about how well the 49ers had used Juszczyk and that sort of thing. I, I At the time, I kind of thought, eh, you know, I, I think he's just kind of being – you know, just kind of answering the question. The more the more I thought about it, I kind of talked myself into it. Like, ah, maybe they would. You know, he's going to be changing up the offense. I could see them, you know, maybe getting a package where there's a fullback or something like that. Or, uh, but uh, but then I actually forgot about it during the draft. So not until I saw the question here did it bring it back to my mind. So to me, it was it was always a little bit of a big swing to to think that they were going to incorporate that. Uh, just with some of the other you know stuff that Sean likes to do, I still could see like a Johnny Munt, like we're talking about. I, I still could see him uh, factoring in. He he certainly doesn't have that same skill set, uh, but but I could see them using him in in some of those roles. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't have been shocked if they would have maybe signed an undrafted guy or something like that. But but I, I think uh, I think we got the answer now that that yeah, that probably won't be a huge part of the Rams offense. All right. Now here's another question about the, uh, the offensive line, your favorite subject from Vinny Calabrese. After struggling at right tackle last season, is there a chance Rob Havenstein moves to guard? The Rams did this recently with Roger Stafford. Right. Uh, Yeah. I'll answer Mike's, uh, uh, excuse me, Vinny's question. And uh, then maybe share a little, maybe expand on it a little bit because nobody really asked a specific question about the offensive line. Um, is there a chance? Sure, there's a chance. It, it was just a couple of years ago. I, I think it was uh, 2017. I'm pretty sure it was Sean McVay's first year when uh, it was Rob Havenstein and Jamon Brown, and, and they had actually flipped in training camp, and, and Havenstein was playing uh, guard, right guard, and uh, Jamon Brown was playing right tackle. Now, that didn't last very long before the end of training camp, or I think even even about two weeks in, I, I think they'd already flipped back to where Havenstein was was at tackle. Um, so in 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 theory, is it possible? Sure, it is possible. And Vinny mentioned uh, Roger Saffold, who came in as a tackle and, and bounced all over the place for about five years before he finally ended up having a, finding a home at, at left guard. Um, so I, I don't, I don't dismiss the question at all. Don't Vinny, don't, if you hear this, don't, don't think I'm, I'm trashing your question because, uh, it's a perfectly legitimate question and, uh, it sure it, it is possible if, if they found like that was the right, uh, kind of mix for that offensive line. Uh, but, but I think the, the overall point is I'll say something else also about Rob Havenstein. Just, I, I don't think I've, I've addressed it. Uh, previously, I, I know a lot of people are down on him uh, because of the way things went at the start of last year, and, and I get it. And I'm not I'm not trying to make excuses. I, I don't think Rob was at the top of his game, just as I don't think any of those offensive linemen at the start of the season were on the top of their game. And, and I'd include Andrew Whitworth in that too. Uh, so so no excuses there. But I also wouldn't be so quick to just you know feel like you have to find a new home for Rob Havenstein or find a new team for him or something like that. Uh, he was a very productive right tackle 
for a while before that. He's been in the league since 2015. He was very productive in 2017 and 2018. So I know it wasn't great at the start of 2019, but I wouldn't be so quick uh, to just to just write him off. And then quickly, like you said, yeah, my favorite topic. It's like my uh, my pin tweet basically at this point because. <laughs> A lot of people asking about, you know, why didn't they why didn't they draft an offensive lineman? And I'd I'd refer you back. You know, I I wrote a couple stories over the weekend, addressed it a little bit. But just in brief, I know there's people who are probably going to, you know, their eyes are going to roll back in their head hearing me say this again. But the Rams had eight offensive linemen last year who started at least six games. Eight. That is a lot. I mean, that's a lot of offensive linemen to have started at all. And they basically have eight who started almost a half season each. So they have a ton of guys who got experience. Now, the counter argument to that that I hear a lot and I understand is that they weren't good. And that is to an extent true. The Rams started the season with a line of of Andrew Whitworth, Joe Noteboom, Brian Allen, Austin Blythe, Rob Havenstein. That line was not good. They struggled early in the season. Guys struggled individually. They looked like they were struggling with their chemistry collectively. And then a lot changed. Joe Noteboom got hurt. Brian Allen got hurt. Rob Havenstein got hurt. Austin Blythe moved to center. David Edwards came in. Bobby Evans came in. Austin Corbett came over in a trade, got plugged into left guard. The entire thing changed about three or four different times during the season. And while that happened... The line play got better, and it's one thing I hope people don't ignore and and can can honestly you know say and and admit is that the line play at the end of the season was very different than it was at the start of the season. So the point to that is, I think, and I've said this before and written it before. I think the Rams have all the pieces that they need. They have eight linemen and nine if you throw in a guy like Jamil Demby, who's kind of a depth guy who's he's he really is your your depth offensive lineman at this point okay so you've got nine right there uh to think that you were going to significantly improve that in the draft or that you were going to just cut three or four of those guys and draft three or four more to replace them I think that would be dumb but just just to be blunt I think that would have been a dumb thing to do uh I think the Rams challenge and it's a very significant challenge by the way and a very important one, is they have to put those pieces together, okay? They have to figure out, uh, let's say Austin Blythe is your center. Austin Blythe played very well in the second half of the season at center, so I'd fully expect him to stay there. They have to figure out what's best to do at left guard. Is it note boom? Is it Corbett? What do you do at right guard? Do you leave Edwards there? Do you, as Vinny suggested, think about moving Rob Havenstein to guard, for instance? What do you do at right at tackle? Do you put Havenstein back in? Do you put Bobby, leave Bobby Evans in? Uh, these are all big, big questions, and they're very important questions, and the Rams are going to have to get those answers correct. Uh, but I think the pieces are there, and if I end up being wrong about that, I will be glad to admit it. I will be here on the podcast in print telling you that I got it wrong. Uh, but I just I think that what they have is sufficient. The last thing I'll say about that is, I am a little surprised just in in talking about specifically about the left tackle that they maybe didn't add somebody there. Uh, it it those left tackles ended up going real fast. I don't I think what seven six or seven of them went in the first round. 
Um, so by the time it got to the Rams, even at number 52, you're not talking about a whole lot of guys anymore who you can look at and say, uh, you know, that guy certainly projects as a, as a possible starting left tackle. If the Rams had had a first round pick, maybe it would have been a different story, but they didn't. So point of all that is, uh, I think that's still something they need to address, whether that means uh, a Joe Noteboom still being kind of groomed and, and uh, you know, gotten prepared to take over for, for uh, Andrew Whitworth. I don't know, but they did not address that in the draft. So that is still a very big and very open question uh, for, for possibly for 2021. And a uh, final question for right now comes from Kevin Hoffman. When do you think the Rams will sign Jalen Ramsey to his extension and how much will it be on AAV? Boy, if I knew. Yeah, wouldn't that be, uh, that would be wonderful. I could just write the story right now and uh, and wouldn't have to worry about it. Um, I understand the question and it actually has come up a couple times and uh, that's that's the nature of these things. We've we've now moved on from the draft and or we're in that process and and now people want to know about the free agents uh, or the p- uh, pending free agents resigning. I totally understand it. It's it's a big big question that Kevin is asking because and it's it's a legitimate one and and because they they gave up these two first round picks. We just mentioned that the Rams didn't have a first round pick this year. They sent that to Jacksonville for Jalen Ramsey and next year's first round pick. So they're not going to have one either next year unless they make some kind of other uh, move. Jalen Ramsey set to become a free agent next March. So the nightmare scenario here for the Rams, obviously, is you lose Jalen Ramsey as a free agent and you still lose that first round pick that you gave up to got to get him. I mean, what what a terrible you know situation that would be. Um, when do I think they'll re-sign him? I don't know. I, I do think these things are kind of um, structured out a little bit. It's it's not that you can't do multiple things at once, uh, but but it's just kind of human nature, not only on the team side, but on these agents side. You know, you, you can only do so many things at one time. And and, you know, the the uh, the focus kind of goes from free agency and in February and March and then straight into the draft in in April and then you know who knows where it goes but you usually see that sort of thing happen a little bit later I I think you can just look at the Rams most recent history I I don't have it right in front of me but just going off the top of my head like uh, guys like Jared Goff, uh, Todd Gurley, uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, Aaron Donald, uh, maybe even Rob Havenstein. I mean, as I recall, these are all deals that got done kind of in late July or, or even into the start of training camp in, in August. So I think that kind of makes sense uh, in, in the sense of that's usually you, you get everybody back together. Uh, you know, you, you have the free eight, you have the player in, in your in your building for the start of training camp. And uh, you can start to, to make those decisions. Now, I think there's a window there because a lot of these guys, and this is not universal, uh, but but I've heard this from from multiple players, is once the season starts, they don't really want to hear about it. Uh, they they want to lock in on football. So even if they have their agent continuing to have discussions, they, they don't really want to be distracted by it. They don't want to hear about negotiations or think about numbers or that sort of thing. So a lot of guys, either informally or, or sometimes formally, will say, hey, you know what, we'll talk about this up until the season starts. And then once kickoff comes, we're, we're not going to talk anymore. Then, then we'll talk again in January. Uh, so I think you've got that window and, and it probably starts now. I think that's fair to say. So you probably have that window from now until 
uh, the start of the season. I would say specifically a window maybe from mid-July until the start of the season where that starts to become more feasible. And then if it doesn't happen by week one, then, you know, uh, there's the, the, the collar is going to start to get a little bit tighter, I think, for, for some people. And uh, it'll be curious that the AAV, I have no idea. I mean, that that, again, is is all over the board and especially in the NFL when you can structure these contracts in so many different ways your your cap hits are all over the place um so i, I just just spitballing it i mean I, I would assume Jalen Ramsey believes he's the best cornerback in the NFL and and believes he should be paid like the best cornerback in the NFL so you can go ahead and pull up those those lists of, of cornerback salaries and and just go ahead and pencil in uh, Jalen Ramsey somewhere near the top. Exactly what that number is can depend on the the length, the term of the contract. Also, uh, if you lock up a guy for for five years, for instance, it's different than than signing him for two years. Um, so a lot of that depends on the player too, and, and what kind of a commitment he wants to make to the team, and and what kind of a commitment the the team wants to make to him. So they have to get on the same page on that. And that also can impact the AAV. So, Kevin, good question. And and that was a long way of me saying I have no idea. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I, I I think we've hit a lot of the pertinent topics there. Uh, we'll continue to, to talk about it. You know, the, the the fun thing now is that now we're now that we're through the draft and and those twenty uh, undrafted free agents. I, I was just putting it all down on on the spreadsheet today. Rams have ninety players now. I mean, they're at the max, and and now kind of uh, becomes the fun part where you can play play around a little bit. And uh, later today, later Monday, I'll be uh, publishing uh, my first uh, roster projection of, of for 2020, which will be very funny to look back on in a few months and see how wrong it is. But uh, but it's a fun time now that we know exactly who these draft picks are and these these undrafted guys and the free agents and all that stuff. Uh, we can we can kind of play those puzzle games and, and see how they all fit together and see maybe where some of those uh, roster battles, positional battles uh, might uh, might match up. So uh, it, it's a fun time to do that. And we'll certainly be doing that uh, over over the next few weeks here. So please uh, keep the questions coming. And uh, thank you, Danielle, for for being such a such a great host. Anytime. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed the draft uh, and I hope you enjoyed our coverage at The Athletic. It was a it was a pleasure to, to be a part of it. And uh, thank you to everybody, particularly who subscribes. Uh, I totally understand, you know, what a, what a difficult time it is uh, now and, and how important money is for, for a lot of people. And the fact that you continue to subscribe to our uh, company, to our site, it, it means a lot to me. And I know I can say the same. Uh, for my colleagues, if there's anybody out there who hasn't signed up, is on the fence. Uh, we have great deals all the time, 90-day free trial, uh, discounts, things like that. So please do give us a look. And uh, I'm a subscriber. I tell people that. I, I get access for free, but I continue to pay because I believe in the product. And, and I can tell you for sure that we're going to be expanding our, our Rams coverage uh, very soon and looking forward to sharing you some, uh, some details with that with you. So Danielle, thank you very much. Uh, Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for all your great comments and all that on iTunes and uh, enjoy your week. Enjoy all the draft coverage. Take care of yourselves and we will be back with you with a new episode next week. Thanks everybody.